Good to see everybody tonight. I want to start out with uh, something concerning words. This doesn't have anything to do with the actual lesson, but I am going to use it to tie things together towards the end, okay? And it's just a little pet peeve, if you will, of mine. It's just something that, you know, I don't like. And it's the fact that there are words that have changed in meaning over the years from one thing to another. There's a few words that I used to use earlier in my life, good, clean words that were used to describe good, clean things that you can't use anymore because they don't mean something clean now. I've got one particular one in my mind, but I'm not saying it because in 1967, it was perfect to say. Now it's not. But I will give you a couple of examples. A lot of them deal with marijuana for some reason. Weed. Back then, weed was something that was in the yard. Now it's marijuana. Back then, blunt was something that's not sharp. Or a Pittsburgh Steeler. Now, it's marijuana. Okay, grass was also in the yard back then. I had to mow it every week. Got a quarter for doing it. Now, it's You see how the words have changed to mean something else. And I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Like I say, there's words that I want to use that you can't use anymore. Later on in the message tonight, you're going to find out why that's important because we're going to apply it to what we hear tonight. We're going to look at five steps from God's Word that illustrate what we're talking about in our series. And our series is The Power of Confidence. And if there had to be a subtitle tonight, it would be Confidence in Action. Because once you get confidence, you can do stuff more readily, easier than you can do without confidence, okay? It's like when they have the girl tied up on the train tracks and the trains coming down the train track in the old movies, you know, and the guy builds up his confidence and jumps out there and rescues the girl. He had to have confidence to do that, okay? You, you just don't go walk along the tracks without confidence and go out and rescue somebody. He had to have confidence to do that. And a lot of things in the Bible, a lot of principles of God can only get carried out in situations and circumstances where the men and women of God had supreme, that's a good word for it, supreme confidence. So we're going to look at five of them tonight, okay? And the first one is God needed mankind to carry out His gospel, okay? Our first scripture tonight from the NIV, Acts 14.37. For this is what the Lord has commanded us, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. You ever notice that there's actually more commandments in the Bible than the ten that they make movies about? Okay? God commands a lot of stuff of us, okay? We just think of the big ten. Why? Because they were written down on pillars of stone. They're on, uh, you know, buildings written up on the walls and stuff like that. There's posters of them. 
They're printed everywhere. You know, the Ten Commandments. There's more than that. God commands a lot of stuff. And one of the things that he commanded right here was the fact that we're to be a light for him, that we may bring salvation to people, to the ends of the earth, okay? It tells us here that the Lord commanded this, obviously meaning that it's something very, very important. Because if it wasn't for the early disciples obeying this command, the gospel would have never spread. They had to have confidence to carry something that a lot of people had never heard out into a world that they weren't familiar with to get the gospel spread. He tells them, I'm commanding you to do this. And what is it we're to do today? Bring salvation to the ends of the earth. It has progressed to the point that it is down to us, that we're the ones to carry it out into that world, out there, through those doors. What you hear tonight, there should be nuggets of it stored up in you that can come out at any time upon recall, whenever you need it out there, at the shopping center, at work, when you're traveling, when you're at the ball game with the grandkids. Wherever you are, there should be something of the gospel that you can share with somebody in need at any given time. It's up to us to do this. It does not say this is only for the apostles to do. It does not say it's only for prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers to do. It's not just for the ordained to do. It's not just for the Bible college students to do. It's for everybody. What it does say is this. If you've been saved from your sins by the shed blood of Jesus Christ and consider yourself his disciple and one of God's children, you're to carry that same message that got you saved and into the kingdom and share it with everyone you can wherever you may go on this earth. I always bring up Jim Marshall. He's the one that got me saved, okay? Many people witness to me. Larry Cunningham witnessed to me, okay, a ton. But he wasn't the one that got the harvest. He planted the seeds. Jim Marshall got the harvest. Okay, if he hadn't done his part, if he hadn't had the confidence to come and witness to me on that Sunday morning, I wouldn't be here tonight. And guess what? Whenever you start to do something for God, we know this is a principle that applies in many areas, when you start to do something from God, what's the first thing that happened? The devil comes and starts whispering in your ear, starts speaking to your heart. This is not for you. You don't need to. Somebody else will do this. He'll try every single way to stop you from spreading the gospel of Christ. Corporations in the world try to get at each other to you know, discredit them or even like stop their competition all the time. That's the way it is with Satan in relationship to us. He is going to get us to stop spreading the good news of Jesus Christ any way he can. Why? Because he knows he loses whenever it succeeds. Whenever somebody gets saved, whenever somebody gets pulled, snatched out of the kingdom of hell, for Jesus Christ, boom, New man in God, the devil loses an army member right there. And he'll whip out his usual arsenal of lies to get you to not carry out that commandment of the Lord. You don't have the ability to speak for God. You know, I'm thinking of Moses here. You know, I'm a stutterer, Lord. 
God will make a way. You don't know enough of his word to talk to other people. Okay, but if you take that first step in confidence, God will get on whatever you do know and make it work. They're just going to laugh at you and walk away. Well, guess what? Something's going to sink in. Some, they're going to remember that somebody made an attempt to speak to them about Jesus Christ. Satan will tell some people, oh, don't worry. Someone else will tell them about God. You don't have to. What if Jim Marshall had fallen for that lie? Once again, I wouldn't be here. But this is where the confidence comes in, okay? When we take that first step to go into all the world, the Spirit of God will get in us, on us, in front of us, and all around us to give us the boldness to carry on carrying His Word to those around us. And you know what? Sometimes you may say, well, I really don't know a lot of the Word. I don't have it memorized. But yeah, everybody knows the basics. If you've been saved for a little bit, you know some basics, right, that you can quote. You know what you can do, though, perfectly, better than anybody else, is share what God has done for you. That's your testimony, okay? How, what's the word say? They overcame with the blood of the Lamb and their testimony. You, you're the only one that's got that down perfect, okay? So maybe you don't know a whole bunch of words, but you can tell them what God has done for you. That's the least you can do. Psalm 105.1 says, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim His name, make known among the nations what He has done. There's somebody out there in a similar situation to something God has gotten you out of that needs to hear how God got you out of it. To give them some confidence. To give them a little bit of a pat on the back saying, you can make it. You can do it too. If God did it for me, He's going to do it for you. You don't need to know deep theological doctrine. You don't need to have half the Bible memorized. You don't need a diploma hanging on the wall. All you need to do is tell someone you met at the store or out there in the world that once you were blind and now you see. Once you were hurt and now you're healed. Once you were a slave to sin and now you're free. Once you wanted to kill yourself but now all you want to do is live for the one that saved you. That's number one right there. God needs people with confidence to go into all the world telling them about Him. Number two, after the gospel is preached, what's the next steps? Salvation and baptism. After the gospel is preached, there's salvation and baptism. So you've taken the first step out into the world in confidence with the gospel of Jesus Christ and shared it in your daily walk around this earth. Well, guess what? In all probability, Isaiah 55:11 will come into play. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. In other words, there is going to be someone that each of us speaks to that is going to want to hear more. And once again, what does the devil attack? 
The people that don't listen to us, he builds them up and says, look, they didn't listen. That's all he reminds us of to get us to stop because supposedly nobody's listening. But guess what? We're to have confidence to keep going one after another. So those three didn't listen. The fourth one may listen. And that word gets in there and makes a difference in their life. And they remember what you told them. And they remember that what happened in your life is happening in theirs. And that there's a God that took care of it over here. That can take care of it for them. So now you've got somebody on the hook of salvation. And you're probably wondering, how did I do that? The others didn't listen, but here's one that wants to know more. How did I do that? Well, guess what? You didn't do that. Okay? You didn't. This is where we need to understand that in order to keep our confidence level high, God is doing everything for us and through us. We just have to be the willing vessel that says, yes, Lord, use me. At this point, if you're like I was, you will take all the confidence you got and let God's Word and Holy Spirit do the rest. That's, that's the way I roll right there. I hate to say this, I'm not one of those people that easily makes opportunities to witness to other people. But when I know I'm supposed to, boom, you're not going to stop me. I, you know, I'll, I'll sit with people for half an hour when I'm supposed to be somewhere in 15 minutes talking to them when I know I'm supposed to do it. I've got confidence there. I do not have, this is where I need to improve my confidence. I need confidence in being able to start and turn a conversation around to Jesus Christ and His goodness. The easiest way to follow up on a person that you're witnessing to, and it may come time to the point of salvation, the thing called the Romans Road to Salvation. Okay, In case you don't know what it is, it's a series of scriptures all from the book of Romans that can lead a person to see that they're a sinner See what the wages of those sins are and how it can be turned around. The first one is Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Who sinned? All have sinned. That's each and every one of us, okay? You get a person lost right there saying all people have sinned. Second step in the road, Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay? That shows you where your sins are going to lead you. But what the other side of the road is, is the gift of God that is eternal life. Okay? You've got a choice there. Then you go to Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That shows them that God knows you're a sinner, but guess what? He loves you so much that He sent His Son to die for those sins that you're still possessing. The next one, Romans 10, 9. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That tells you how to get somebody out of sin and into salvation right there. Accept, believe, confess. A, B, C, if you want to put it like that. Romans 5, 1. 
after they have prayed the prayer, Romans 5.1 tells us, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You become a new man, okay? Where there was turmoil, now there's peace, okay? And then after that, what happens again? The devil will come to a new Christian and say, You're not saved. You can go back. That wasn't real. It didn't happen. What's that? Condemnation for stuff, maybe, that you've done in your past. The final verse is Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And here's what I do. Not as much anymore because I've got this basically down within me. I've got the template for this, you know, in my repertoire. But what I do, and I showed uh, Carol and uh, Lisa this <laughs> earlier, what I've got in my Bible is I can remember Romans 3.23. Why? Because I used to own a, uh, a Mazda 3.23. So that's easy to remember right there from an old car I used. But in case you can't even remember Romans 3.23, write it down in the front of your Bible so you know Romans 3.23. And you can start right there with somebody. Boom. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Up at the top of that page, I've got the next one marked. It doesn't say, go to Romans 6.23. No, it just says 6.23. I know that it's in the book of Romans. So then you can go over here to Romans 6.23, witness to somebody and give them for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus our Lord. Up at the top of that page, I've got marked 5.8. So then you can go back to 5.8 and show them but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, you mark the road in your Bible if you can't remember where to turn and you can always get there to lead somebody to Christ down the Romans road. And what does that do? That builds up confidence in you to be a witness for Jesus. Okay? That, this gets rid of the devil's attempt to tell you you don't know enough word. As long as you've got this Bible, those markings, you can get somebody that far. Now, if they ask you something weird that requires a little study, I'll get back with you on that tomorrow. You can tell them something like that. But for the initial thing, to get, basically, as Apostle Joe says, you've got to get them lost to get them saved. That'll start you down that road. That's something uh, Pastor Mike Robinson showed me in a message over in Friendsville back in the mid-90s somewhere, that little thing right there. And as we all know, our Christian life is progressive, okay? It does, just doesn't stop at salvation. After salvation comes baptism. And when you get saved, you know that you're saved. God knows that you're saved. The person that led you to the Lord knows that you're saved. But then comes baptism in water. What does that do? That shows people that you're safe. That's an outward expression of a change in the inner man. That's showing at least your church family that, hey, I'm serious about this. The old man's going down. What's the song by the Imperials? Water Grave. What a great song. We need to do Water Grave. In this house, there's been a mercy killing. Wow. I mean, that's a great first line right there. It shows that when you go down under that water, the old man's going down with his sins. That's what's happened in your life. Comes up 
new man, okay? They're washed away. Luke 3.16 says, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That shows us right there. There's two types of baptism, okay? And once again, we see that the Christian life is a progressive thing. First, you get witnessed to. Then you get saved. Then you get water baptized. And now, step number three tonight, point number three, you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. This is where a lot of people haven't progressed to. This is where a lot of people get lost saying, okay, I like everything so far. I like being saved. I'm free from my sins. I'm free from torment. I've got peace now. I've been baptized. I've shown the world that I'm a new person. That's good. They don't go this far. They don't have the confidence to take this third step. If we had to determine what could be considered our only source of confidence, it would be right here. It would be the functional operation of the Holy Ghost in our lives on a daily basis. If we had to step out on our own to do all these things we're talking about tonight, in our own confidence we'd probably have like a 1.5 on the confidence meter working out there. When you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, boom, you're at a 10. If you're prayed up, if you're read up, if you're praised up, your confidence level in God should be a 10. Because at that point, you know that it's not you doing it. As we said, it's Him that's doing it through you. You're just a willing vessel. Many times we don't go out and minister in Jesus' name. We don't go out and share the gospel because we know that our confidence level is a 1.5. We know that we haven't been taken in the Word. We know that we aren't prayed up. We get afraid and we lack confidence because we go out in our own confidence and what? Get beat up. We rely on our own power when we're out there. And what happens? Generally, we fail. And once you get used to failing, you don't want to go back and do that again. But after we seek and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, things change in our lives. And I've got three things here that change in our life and in Scripture to back them up. Acts 1.8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You know what I noticed uh, doing this this morning? If you're saved without having the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you don't have much power. Fire insurance? Yes. Much power? No. There are many Christians that have gotten so frustrated with witnessing with no results that they just give up. They said, you know, what's the use? Why am I doing this? More than likely, they're saved, but they don't have the power of the Holy Ghost working in their lives. They've been going out for God on their own without the power package of the Holy Spirit, okay? Here's the way I always used to illustrate this, okay? If you're saved and been water baptized, 
and you're an automobile, you're like an old car that has crank windows. No air conditioning. You got to put those windows down. You got to do everything on your own by hand. When you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, man, it's a Cadillac. It's got power everything, okay? You've got a button for everything that can work in that car, and that's the Holy Ghost in your life. It's working for you. 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14 says, Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. After you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you get taught by the Holy Spirit, okay? You get a greater understanding of God's Word because the Holy Spirit is there with you. The paraclete, the one right there, to be with you. When you don't understand something, guess what? Ask God. He'll tell you. Man can think he knows enough of the things of God to teach another man, but he can never be as good of teacher of the Word as the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is the one that oversaw the writing of the Word in the first place. There's the understanding of it right there. The Holy Ghost, you know, the Spirit moved upon these men to write this book. I'd rather go to Holy Ghost College than to Bible College. Okay, you, you know, I'd rather have what God wants me to know than the ideas of man. Our third thing in this section, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and 15 for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. The third thing that happens when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you get a prayer language. And I can speak from experience that usually a person starts deciding they want the baptism of the Holy Ghost when they're facing something in their life that normal prayers and normal praying isn't working in. Okay? It ain't moving. It. You've come to a standstill. You've seen other people do it. You know there's more. And that baptism of the Holy Spirit has to be that more. Your natural praying with what you think should be done in your life, that don't work for some things. It's got to be the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because, you know, that's you just praying in faith, not even really knowing what you're praying, but God praying through you. That's why we need to pray in tongues. Another reason, it's the supreme example of praying in faith. You know, you may not know what you're saying. Other people that would hear you don't know what you're saying and ask you, you know, what are you saying? I don't know, but I'm stepping out in faith in my prayer language, and God is praying through me. And the third thing, why we should pray in tongues, I love this. Les Bowling said this uh, back around 1993. I heard him tell the story. Back in World War II, uh, U.S. fighter pilots 
would wad up aluminum foil and throw it out of planes to throw off like enemy radar. It would make it look like there was all these planes and they would go one way and they'd be shooting here and it was nothing. Okay? He said that's what praying in tongues is like. The devil cannot interpret it. It looks like a smoke screen. He doesn't know what's going on. When you pray in your language and pray what you're thinking, you know, devil could be right there. He's a, a prince of the air. You know, he, he could discern that. Oh, they want this. Oh, they're seeking that. Hmm, I know where to go now. When you pray in tongues, he ain't got a clue. He doesn't have that kind of discernment. So now, we're up to being witness to. We're up to salvation. We're being water baptized and we're being baptized in the Holy Ghost. All this is building our confidence. Number four, oh, and this is a big one. You gotta have confidence if you're gonna go around casting out the devil from those that are oppressed or possessed. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Oh, you've got to have confidence if you're going to go around starting to cast out devils. Okay, that, that verse right there tells us God has given us power. He has given us dominion over the enemy. We've got the power to tell the enemy, Go! In Jesus' name, and he flees, and he goes. We've got prime examples in Christianity in our lifetimes. Lester Sumrall, okay? All kinds of old deliverance ministers would do just like that. They would have such a confidence, such a boldness, such a prayer life, worship life, study life, to be able to say, go. And also have the discernment to recognize what is a devil and what isn't. But guess what? That power needs to be combined with grace, wisdom, as I said, discernment, and much prayer, and a stockpile of the Word in your body to work. you got to combine all that stuff. Okay? I figure a lot of people here can read that one line in Luke 10, 19, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, and they could just go, hey, I've got a deliverance ministry. Why? Because nothing's going to hurt me. Let's just go. Guess what? They're going to go around. If that's all they're going out in, they're going to go out and find out that something's going to hurt them probably, okay? If you go trying to cast out demons without everything we just talked about, you know, it's like you're the seven sons of Sceva without the other six, okay? You're going to get beat up by the devil, you never know when you're going to run into a demonic spirit oppressing or possessing a person. That's why we need to be ready any time. And that's why we've been given that power. When you combine that power with confidence and discernment, you're able to take on those demons that you encounter successfully. And then what? That person that you minister to gets a deliverance. And then they've got a testimony. And then they can go out and do all of this same stuff for other people. Our final one tonight, the fifth thing that you got to have confidence for, you got to have confidence to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Luke 9, 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. 
Again, what does that verse say? The power and authority for us to pray for and minister healing is already there. So what's the problem? Our combined level of faith and confidence is the problem. That's what. I think this is where the devil steps in. As soon as we make a decision to step out in faith and pray for somebody, as soon as he knows what we're going to do, he comes in with the lies once again. You know you can't heal them. Right, but God can. You know your Uncle Sammy died of the same thing. Yeah, but this isn't Uncle Sammy, okay? Different kind of situation. Maybe the same disease, but this is not Uncle Sammy. You know people are going to say you're crazy if you go about praying for people and trying to get them healed. Well, it's not what people say that I'm worried about. It's what God says. That's what I care about. So forget the devil. Go pray for folks, okay? And if they don't get healed, at least build up their faith and go back and pray another time. Do not give up. That's another thing that the devil would want you to do. Give up. If you didn't have success, he wants you to walk away. Say, that, that was a failure. Stay at home. Watch TV. No, get back up and do it again. You're going to run into somebody whose faith connects with yours and is going to get healed if we just have the confidence to step out. And once again, don't get beat up that they didn't get healed. Go back to reading. Go back to praying. And go minister to somebody else. I've got a friend that uh, was visiting somebody in the hospital. They had a relative in the hospital. And uh, the relative survived. Relative is still alive today. But the person in the next room, it was a guy who was dying. I mean, he was, you know, going out. They knew that they had the faith and the confidence to go pray for that man not to die. And they kept hitting it and kept hitting it and kept hitting it. Well, he died. But you know what? The testimony here, it didn't shake this person. They still know deep inside of them that they have that kind of faith in their life. I was mowing the grass last year, and the Lord brought them to my mind. And as soon as I got in from mowing the grass, I texted them and just said, just want to remind you, you still have that faith to pray for people that are near death. And I just went ahead and said it or maybe even already dead. Because I think this person has a raise the dead type of faith in them. You can't let the devil get you to quit. So those are the five things right there. Now back to my opening statement about words. How words have changed. For those of you watching, we talked earlier about how meanings of words have changed from the 60s, 70s, 80s, up until now. Something that meant one thing back then means something completely different right now. And there's one phrase that bugs me. One phrase that bugs me. If you're just wanting to pound a nail, okay, you could have a ball-peen hammer or you could have a claw hammer. And it's a hammer. But on the other side, one has a little round thing for pounding out stuff. On the other one, one has the claw to remove nails that have been pounded, okay? But as for just pounding a nail, 
what we used to say when I was a kid and when I was younger was same difference. You don't say same difference anymore. These young kids, they say same, same. Same, same. Okay, I don't get it. Okay, to me, same difference. There, there is none. Same difference. They say same, same. And it irks me, okay? I'm old. Nowadays, it's same, same. Whatever you wish to call it. Same difference or same, same. You want a definition of same difference or same, same in regards to tonight's lesson? Right here it is. Mark 16, 15 through 20. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Same same. The same power, the same spirit, the same anointing that allowed Jesus' disciples to carry out His orders back then is the same power that is available to us today, each and every one of us, same, same, to go out there and do those very same things that we have studied tonight and affect our world. It's the same. It's the same. It's the same. How do I know? Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay? It's the same. And as for receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, do you realize when that happens in our lives, we get the same spirit functioning in our lives that functioned in the lives of the men that wrote the Holy Scriptures and enabled Jesus' disciples back then to carry out those orders. Just like the original disciples, they went into all the world and preached the gospel. We can. Why? Same spirit. They got people baptized and saved. We can too. How? Same spirit. They cast out devils. We can too. How? Same spirit. You get the idea. They spoke with new tongues. We can too. How? Same spirit. They laid hands on the sick and saw them recover. And we can too. By the same Spirit. We are to do those same things. Why do we not do them? Well, many times it's because we don't have the confidence to even take that first step toward allowing God to use us to do such works for Him. Acts 14.3. This is key right here. We're wrapping up with this. Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. How do we do this? How do we build up our confidence to go out and perform these things that God's disciples did back then? Spend as much time with God in His word and prayer, building up your holy confidence. Speak boldly in the Lord privately 
in your prayer language, and publicly in your witnessing. God will get on your words and your actions, giving you grace to go forth and do through you what could never be done on our own. And then, what does it say right there? And then the signs, the wonders, the miracles will show up through God using us as a willing vessel and the touch of our hands for Him. If you would, stand to your feet tonight as we close. God gave me five words here. And once again, I used a big font. I never use a big font. Folks, we can do this are the five words. Folks, we can do this. All it takes is the confidence, the power of confidence to go out and take that first step. To not listen to the lie of the enemy. To not worry about what people are going to say. Not worry about what happened the last time we tried to step out. We can do this. As long as we place our faith and our confidence in God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.